Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, priviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Ah, we have a fantastic show for today with a brilliant guest. Badminton player from the United Kingdom, Lauren Smith, joins the show. Competing internationally for over the last decade, Lauren is one of the most successful badminton players to ever come from the United Kingdom. Competing in both mixed doubles and women's doubles, Lauren has notched over 400 wins. On today's episode, the skilled athlete talks about how she develops chemistry with her badminton partners. Lauren also chats about how she's been able to stay successful throughout her season career and how in competing for over a decade, the steps she's taken to remain on top and to remain successful. Really, really enjoyed my conversation with Lauren. She's a tremendously gifted athlete, but was also a brilliant conversationist. Thrilled for everyone to meet her. So let's go ahead and bring on one of the United Kingdom's most successful badminton players, Lauren Smith, and let's learn. What sports did you play growing up, and when did you first become interested in badminton? So I think growing up, I was really sporty. I was kind of a kid that if you gave me a chance to give something a go, I'd give it a go. You know, I loved kind of athletics. Um, I was on like the football team. I was, uh, you know, I played badminton from when I was seven. So that was kind of young, but I also did kind of horse riding, gymnastics. I tried ballet once. That was a mistake. Um, but you know, I was always very sporty and if there was a team at school that needed an extra person, I was kind of thrown in, um, whether I'd played it or not before. Um, but like I say, you know, I played badminton from seven years old and I think because I played, uh, and my parents played and a lot of my friends were kind of at the club. Um, that was the one that definitely caught me. Um, but you know, I've always said that I think a lot of my attributes as an athlete have come from those different experiences in different sports. You know, I carried on with athletics until I was probably 16 or 17. And I kept trying different things and going to do different classes. You know, I tried yoga and I tried Pilates at young ages. And I think that helped kind of round me uh, quite in a physical way. Um, but, you know, I've always been drawn to sport, always been competitive. Um, but badminton just seems to be the one that stuck. Yeah. Well, you actually answered what was going to be my next question about how did the other sports help you? So kind of fast forward into the present day, Olympians often get burned out, especially sports in which it's one or two people on team. So you don't have that team presence that can maybe fire you up a little more, energize you. So how do you prevent yourself from getting burned out? Because you have to have these amazing amount of hours to train, but there's also that line where you don't want to cross. Yeah, and that's something I've learned loads about um, during this pandemic, because normally with badminton, it's a really, really busy tournament calendar. So in 52 weeks, you can play, you can play best part of 30 weeks of competition. Um, so as far as training burnout goes, you sometimes don't have enough time to train to burnout. You almost have competition burnout, where it's the travel fatigue and the lack of training. But actually, from kind of March until end of December there was only one competition which is absolutely unheard of in badminton and so for the first time I had weeks and weeks to train and I had to figure out how to how to manage that how to not burn out uh how to have kind of hard weeks lighter weeks when to take breaks um and it's not something I'd say I've got down to a T yet because 
for me as a person, I like to pride myself on my physicality as an athlete, you know, being fitter than and stronger than other people. And if I always train to be fitter and stronger than other people, then I am going to be exhausted and the quality of what I'm doing is going to drop. Um, but then at the same time, I can't drop my volume down too much because yeah. then in my head, I'm not fit enough. Um, so it's been a real learning process actually over this period of time. And in some ways, it's been a great opportunity to understand a little bit more about myself and my needs in that sense. Um, but a lot of it comes from enjoyment, I think. If you enjoy what you do, you won't burn out as much because a lot of burnout comes from, I think, the psychology of sport and how mentally exhausting it is as much as it is. It's easier to help your muscles recover than it is to help your brain recover. You participated in the 2016 Olympics. When you look back on those weeks, what are the first memories that stand out? Um, the big memory for me is our teammates got a bronze medal really unexpectedly um, and so that was amazing just to kind of be there and witness that um, but for me growing up the Olympics was my inspiration you know I used to watch it day in day out when it was on my biggest inspiration were the athletes that were part of that um, and so you know I remember arriving at the village and getting in the lift with Mo Farah and, yeah. you know, going and seeing like Usain Bolt walking around the village. And it was just like a very surreal situation of, I can't believe I'm in the same environment, these people. And, and, you know, I'm also an Olympian like these people. Um, for me, it was almost like I was like a fan that had won a competition and was let into the village. You know, the first few days I spent it like that being like, Oh, look at this. No, look yeah. at that. And, and I so lucky. And then, I kind of, as the competition came close, I had to remind myself that I was there for a reason too. Uh, and I'd kind of earned my space as much as um, Usain Bolt, I guess. Yeah. You've had an extremely successful career in both women's and mixed doubles. How do you create chemistry in a sport where it only has one teammate? Because that can't be forced. And you, you've got one other person, so you almost want to have a mediator who can interrupt or can help things <laughs> out. You've got one person day in, day out. So how do you create chemistry are there certain things that you do that you can enhance the the partnership that you have um it's definitely a hard thing um and you know i've had a few different partners over the years and mm -hmm. some partners it's happened quite naturally it's been quite easy you just seem to have a match in personality uh, and other partners you you're actually very opposite in how you handle situations on even things like traveling together and understanding yeah. each other's needs is important um and I think the best way to kind of get the best out of each other is just to take the time when you first play together to understand that person. Um, decide what works for you and what you're willing to compromise on a little bit more. Um, you know, I think when you travel, for example, um, for me, sleep's a really big priority. If I don't sleep well, um, I'm very grumpy and I'm not a very nice person to be around. So, you know, partners that maybe would watch TV until really late in the night and I would struggle with that. I had to be quite honest about that and I had to say, look, that's not going to work. But, you know, if it was something like someone just like to sit at breakfast for a long time and that helped them, but that wasn't maybe what I would naturally do, then I'd be happy to compromise on that. And it's, um, it's a process of learning about each other, um, being honest when something kind of maybe bugs you because if it bugs you and you just let it fester and you let it grow, it just kind of all blows up in the end from something that could be very small. Uh, if you don't address those situations, it's going to become something quite big and maybe something unfixable. 
So I think that honesty is um, is really, really important. And it's just basic communication, whether that's on court or off court. Um, when things are going well as a partnership, if you're winning, it seems so easy. Yeah. It's like you can talk about everything, it's just flowing perfectly. But it's when things get difficult that you need to make that effort to keep that communication. Um, because at the end of the day, I could play the best game of my life and my partner could play really badly and we could lose and we still lose. Um, so everything that happens, happens as a pair. So you have to hold on to that, um, that interest together and that goal together. I think it's a great point. The winning cures all chemistry. <laughs> and that's been something you've done a lot with over 400 career wins, just a massive number. When you look back just at those wins, which are the results that stand out the most for you? Um, I think um, a big one was winning the European Championships in 2019. Um, that was one of those things that, again, I look back to when I was a young player um, and you write down your goals of what you want to achieve. And, you know, it's like when kids write down they want to be an astronaut. You know, for me, I was like, I want to be um, a European champion. And there was players that won that title and I watched win that title that inspired me. So, again, it was like I've reached that peak that people that have inspired me have reached um so that was a big one another really big one for me was we won in thailand uh i think it was january or february last year and it was um a level 300 tournament we call it in badminton but we'd been in four of those finals of that level event before and we'd lost and we'd actually probably been the favorites and so it just seemed to be this big hurdle that we couldn't seem to get past that we couldn't seem to um you know, get over with that title was just eluding us a little bit. Uh, and in that, that final, we maybe weren't the favourites, um, but we were playing pretty well. We were confident and we just went in really free and played, um, kind of played our socks off and, and we ended up winning. Um, and it was just a me really memorable one because it was a bit of a, you know, persistence does pay off. And although you start to think maybe this isn't going to happen, maybe I'm not going to achieve this title or this uh medal um you know if you keep going and you dig in and you work hard it is absolutely possible that you will very challenging year and i think one of the most challenging aspects is the, the schedule changes right that mm. olympics they're going to be postponed and they're canceled or and then <laughs> everything just changed over the last year so how have you handled the just the emotional ups and downs of the past 12 months um i think sometimes i've ha handled it well and sometimes i've definitely not handled it well enough, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. everybody i guess yeah um for me, especially with the Olympics, I've just had to go at it as if it's happening. I just have to think the Olympics is on. Um, we still have a few qualifying events that we may play. They may be cancelled. We're, we're still kind of having that situation with badminton tournaments as well. Um, so all I can do is control what I can control mm -hmm. and prepare the best as if the Olympics is going ahead. And um, I'm lucky that um, I'm living with and going out with my mixed partner so you know throughout lockdown when I've had less motivated days he's kind of been there to pick me up and and vice versa we've kind of had that driving force for each other uh, and that's helped me a lot but I think um, sometimes I've just accepted that I feel a bit rubbishy and it's like okay today's not my most motivated day but one thing that I know works for me as an athlete is still is making sure that I get up and I do something. Um, you know, if I had a planned bike session, then just get on with it and get it done because 
I'll always feel better for having done it. I've never done a workout and thought and felt mentally worse after. Um, so even if I don't want to do it, getting started, getting on with it for me, that's worked. And for other people, it might not, but that's just something that I know can give me them endorphins. I think. Yeah. You never regret doing a workout. That's for sure. Has there been any changes or adaptations of your training, for instance, with the extra time? I know while being in lockdown, you probably didn't have the access to the courts and everything. So maybe did you focus on something new that you're like, finally, I've got this free time. I can try something new, maybe add flexibility, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I did actually. Um, you know, we didn't have courts for, I think it was three months. So I definitely started to look at um, areas that I would get injured in. So I had a few abdominal strains. I've had a few ankle sprains. Um couple of bits like I've had a few shoulder problems and so one thing that I really concentrated on was kind of getting those things like uh really strong really robust um and just kind of spending time doing movements and exercises that wouldn't normally fit into my badminton training um because there was things that I could do that if I did that alongside actually playing on court it would probably hurt me um for example getting my ab really strong if I did too much ab training and then stepped on court and tried to play, it was likely that I'd hurt it more. Whereas actually when I didn't have to step on court and play, I was like, right, I can really hit this hard. I can deal with heavy doms because I don't have to get up and hit any shoals. So things like that. And then, um, you know, I'm lucky that I've got a great SNC coach. I've got um, a great physio that I had contact with through lockdown that, that helped me to plan all those things. Um, I also had a bit of fun with training as well. I think, um, you know, I started doing things like um, stuff on a bungee rope. So it was like an elastic rope and um, stuff where I was doing hit circuits or um, making up fun workouts that were a little bit less badminton specific and maybe not technically as useful to actually playing on court, but that made me smile, that I had a laugh doing and um, just kept me motivated, I think. Yeah, that's an example of how you changed over the last year. but. You've had a long, successful career for a decade. You've had to change your training over that time to remain successful. So what are some of the things that you've done now that you weren't doing when you first started? Because that's something you have to constantly change to keep up with some of the younger athletes. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, um, I do feel training a lot more than I used to. You know, when I was 20, I could train all day long and yeah. I'd be exhausted, but my body would kind of, it was like very elastic-y and the next day I'd just bounce back. Whereas you know, now I do kind of hobble out of bed in the morning and just think, God, I, I can't wait to not hurt. <laughs> um, but, you know, one thing for me is, has been learning how to be smart with my training, understand what things I actually need to do to get the best out of myself um, so that the training I do is really efficient. Um, whereas before I just kind of run around like a headless chicken and maybe, you know, 60% of what I did was actually valuable and 40% was just a kind of... Um, bit clueless almost um so I've definitely learned more about what I need uh, and I've also learned how to listen to my body um how to know when I'm just tired and that's you know you know it's the end of a training week I'm just tired I'm just sore that's fine um but also what's the difference between being tired and a potential injury yeah. um so recognizing that having honest conversations with my coaches around that um and then kind of just making sure that I never push myself over the edge of, okay, instead of a niggle, it's now become an injury and you've got, you know, a month where you're managing that. Um, so I think smarter training has definitely been something 
And I, I think I probably learned it too late. You know, I'm 29 now and I probably only started doing that around 27. Uh, whereas actually I could have probably benefited from that a lot sooner in my career. On or off the court, what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned over the last year? Oh, wow. Over the last year. Um, if I'm thinking lessons about myself, mm-hmm. I think I've learned that I do love badminton. Um, which sounds a bit strange um, because I always knew I loved competing and I always knew that I loved playing those games, but I never was sure if I actually loved badminton. I was always like, is it a job? Yeah. 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 Is it a job? Is it just, you know, that I just do it for the adrenaline rush and then I can go home and kind of forget about it. But being away from the court and being removed from that situation definitely opened my eyes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I do love the sport. I miss not just playing, I miss watching the top level. I miss seeing the incredible things that people can do. And uh, I miss kind of the challenges that it brings to my life. So that that was quite a, a nice lesson to learn from from a stranger. Yeah, it was a time away from the sport probably that helped rejuvenate you in some ways. Absolutely. What's the timeline for you moving forward as you prepare for Tokyo? So our qualification period is due to end in May. Um, so quite a few tournaments last year were postponed to this year. Um, so kind of in about three weeks time, we've got a potentially really busy block of tournaments, uh, until the end of May. So that's kind of what I'm preparing for in the short term. Uh, obviously some of those might be canceled. We got the news today that one of them was, um, and then from there, fingers crossed, I'm in a good position with that qualification. So fingers crossed, I'll be able to look at, at Tokyo, um, in which case um, I don't think we'll travel much between May and the Olympics. Um, but I'll be looking to kind of really step up my training game, um, get myself as sharp as possible, um, you know, for the Olympics to be another opportunity. Uh, and like I said, the guys that we were with last time won a bronze medal almost out of nowhere. Um, it was really unexpected. And it just kind of shows that you go to the Olympic Games and anything can happen. Um, so, you know, just going to get myself there first um, and then make sure that I can turn up and walk away with no regrets. Whether I walk away with a medal, whether I walk away with a win, uh, if I know that I've prepared in every single possible way and left no stone unturned, um, I should be able to leave with my uh, head held high. Fantastic. Well, I'm excited to, to watch and follow along. How can everyone else, how can they watch and support your journey and stay up to date with your life? Uh, I'm quite active on Instagram. It's lozz123, so L-O-Z-Z-A-Z-123. Uh, unfortunately, that was an email address I created when I was about 11 That's years old. a consistent theme lately, by the way. We've had a few of them. <laughs> That's it. I'm glad I'm not alone because I cannot change it now. Sometimes you get stuck with these things and you're just like, I wish yeah, I f- could forget the mistakes. It's too much work to change it. You've got too many friends with it. So I, yeah. There you go. So I'm sticking with it. Yeah. <laughs> but at least I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm on Twitter with the same handle. Um, and yeah, I think if you want to see a bit more of badminton, BWF have a great YouTube channel with loads and loads of matches and uh, kind of player interviews and bits and bobs like that. Perfect. Cool. Cheers. Have a nice day, night. (laughs) Have a nice day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Lauren. Be sure to give her a follow on Instagram. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. 
Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway Show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. Aviento.